We're going to do something fun today. We're going to change it up for this Friday. We're going to rank some of the best seven footers. That we're going to do a top three across the board, seven footers, bucket getters, primary ball handlers. And I'm joined by Motor City Hoops, Bryce Simon, coming up next on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? My name is Richard Samen. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. You probably know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. I am joined by a good friend of mine who has been contributing to Mavs Draft on the site for video reviews, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops. But on top of that, he does much more pre- prestigious work. He's a co-host of the Piston Pulse uh, podcast with free uh, the Free P Sports with Amari San- Sankofa. And he's also a contributor at Detroit Bad Boys. He is everything you need for NBA draft, college basketball, uh, Michigan sports, and the and, and uh, Detroit Pistons, he he's he knows it all. Even though he doesn't actually, I'm gonna out him. He doesn't actually <laughs> live in Detroit, but he also played D1 basketball. Was it at American, right? Yep, yep. yep. So he's uh he he knows the game through and through. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna rank some seven footers first, then we'll get the bucket getters, and then the primary ball handlers. But Bryce, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how are you doing on this day on this Friday. Yeah. Man, I'm excited. I'm really excited to do this, Richard. Uh, you know, I, I approached you, you know, at the end of the 2022 class and was like, hey, can I start doing some video breakdowns? I just wanted to get into it. The Pistons season was about over. So that's where it started. I won't go through the whole story. But yeah, if you guys are more interested in the Pistons, the Pistons Pulse podcast, my co-host is a beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. We drop every Tuesday, but let's talk some draft stuff. I know it's 2023. I know it's a long way away. I listen to the NBA Big Board podcast every day. So I want to talk about this stuff hey thank you for listening to nba big board every single day even even in this dry period thank you to everyone you you included i really appreciate it i know it can be uh you know august like the week of august 16th isn't exactly the hottest time (laughs) for college basketball or just basketball talk in general like generally that starts up a month from now we've already peaked during summer league and the draft that was kind of the last big thing but means a lot so let's uh let's do this i know you've done breakdowns i think how many are you at 12 that you've done full breakdowns of on yeah, I, I think fifteen. I'm I'm up to now, which is going to slow down a little bit. I'm a teacher, as you can see. I'm in my classroom, so uh, school starts. I also coach football. That's starting up, so it's going to slow down a little bit. But all the guys we're going to talk about today, I've done full breakdowns, film, you know, all that stuff on the YouTube channel. Yeah, dude, you know more than me on some of these guys, which <laughs> you might you might be taking my throne. And also, good shout out right there. If you're not checking us out on YouTube, we're locked on NBA Big Board. But let's get into it. We've got, we're going to start with, we're going to do these three segments. We're going to do seven footers first. So I think this one will be pretty straightforward at one, two, and three. I think we're going to agree. Uh, I, I think I could be completely wrong here, but we're going to rank these three. There are three seven footers that we're talking about today, and that's going to be Victor Wembanyama, Derek Lively, and Kalel Ware. Another one who could possibly be in the mix. I don't know if he's 6'11 or seven foot, but Baba Miller at Florida State. He's really intriguing. We'll throw him in another time, but. For these three, do we agree Victor Wembanyama at number one? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's even close with that. I, I think where we're going to disagree the most, Richard, is probably with Lively, right? Yep. In terms of we're both going to have him number two, but you and I have text back and forth that we have a little bit of discrepancy on how good we think he is right now. Yeah, um, we'll we'll get to him in just a second because I think we I think the rankings will be the same, but the reasonings will be different, but. So with Victor Wembanyama, I mean, you and I have both watched a good amount of him. He's special. Uh, he's seven four. 
has guard skills, can defend super long. I mean, he is he is as close to something like Rudy Gobert with a jump shot or, you know, all these these physical freaks at seven foot plus with ball skills like that are just true unicorns. He is the truest of true unicorns. One of the best prospects we've seen this entire century. What is it that would potentially scare you from keeping him number one on your board for someone like Scoot Henderson? Yeah, so we're going to talk about Scoot later, and you know I'm very high on Scoot. So if, if you want to look at the things, I'm like, he has, to, he has to get stronger. And I know we just went through this with Chet. I get it. But I'll say this, Richard. I thought Chet actually played more physical than what Victor Wimbanyama does in terms yep. of like even in the post, like defensively, Victor kind of turns his body and just – and his length obviously is a great asset, so we can still use it. And then just playing through contact offensively. That was my big thing with Chet was there was a skill set, but you have to be strong enough to push through contact and get to the rim if he's going to attack from the perimeter. So the, I think the three-point shot is still developing. I mean, I, I think you can believe in it, but it's still developing. And then I do think he just has to get stronger and more physical. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The injuries also kind of scare me. I think yes. that goes hand in hand. It uh, feels like he's constantly injured. Something a lot of people pressed Chet on was his weight and saying, oh, how's he going to last? He's always going to get injured. He actually has like no injury history whatsoever. Yeah. I don't even think he missed a game this year. He didn't miss any time in high school. Victor Wembanyama is not the same. That's really the only thing that scares me with him. The skill you look at, he can pass, makes no-look passes, can shoot. I mean, the jump, shirt, jump shot's really real and defends any level of the game. He can defend the post. Uh, he can defend the perimeter. He can defend mid-range, all of it. So I really like him, but everybody I feel like knows he's a top dog in this draft. So he's clearly number one. Now, no, just, just real quick. The only thing I want to say is I was impressed with his ability to move on the perimeter defensively. And like, there's some switchability there with his length along with that movement. Like he was just such a fluid athlete out in space. I just wanted to get that in real quick. Yep. No, that's a good point. That's a good, uh, good add on point there. So for number two, I think this is where it gets kind of hard. Um, I personally have this easy for me. Uh, this gets hard for a lot of other people. I, I'm big on Derek Lively. I, it has to be him for me. Um, you look at just the length, the ability to potentially dominate inside the paint, both on offense and on defense. I think if you can be a dominant force there and then stretch the floor, you don't need just forget about everything else. That raw starting point is such an advanced head start that I, I'm willing to invest a lot in him. I think he can hold his own on the perimeter. Uh, I, I was just enamored by what he did last year in EYBL and everything. I'm very high on him. Is he your number two guy? Yes, he is. I'm not as high on him as what you are. If we went like a big board with all of these guys, um, the third guy we'll talk about, I, I wasn't close with me in the same way it wasn't for you, but I think we're both a little bit more sour on Khalil Ware than maybe the consensus. I do want to make a quick point for the listeners. I haven't had access to all the film that maybe some other guys, I'll get into that with Keontae George when we talk about him a little bit later. Uh, my biggest question for Lively offensively is, I think we've seen the foundation of stuff. Obviously he's only 18. So a lot of this is just foundation. I just wonder how it's going to develop. And then also defensively, I felt like he just stood in the lane a lot. Now it, it that's not his fault. That's how maybe his scheme was in high school. I would have liked to see some more possessions and reps where you saw him out on the perimeter moving, being able to showcase those movement skills. Yeah. And that's completely fair. I think in high school, when you've got a seven footer, put him there. Like nobody yeah. wants, nobody, no coach going to let's see how you can switch. Like they're yes. going to win. So yeah, I'm interested to see how he holds up at Duke on that end. So you and I are both lower on Coel Ware. Um, for me, it's just I don't know if that defense translates to, you know, switchability and things like that. And then I also don't think he has a jump shot. 
what is it that makes you lower on him? Is it yeah. anything different or? No, I mean, he, he's a seven footer and with all, most seven footers, I, I shouldn't say most seven footers because there's a lot of seven footers that aren't playing at the level these guys are. There's there's vertical gravity, right? There's rim gravity. He's going to be able to catch lobs. He's going to be in the dunker spot. He's going to offensive rebound, all those. I don't see the other package with him. One thing with Lively that I really liked was his passing, Richard. I really like Derek Lively's passing. That's not something Ware showed. He didn't show any sort of handle or any of that other type of stuff offensively. So if the shot doesn't come, which I would say his shot is the worst of these three guys what's he bringing offensively other than that gravity at the rim and then I have questions defensively as well his high school team did put him in some more you know positions different coverages in the ball screen but I would also say he's probably the uh, of the three the one I have the least confidence in defensively also um so I'm just not as high on him in general as a lot of people are right now yeah I don't know if it was a motor issue or an actual physical issue but his defense in space Kind of scares me. Like, I know he didn't get a full stance a lot. So, like, maybe it is just the motor. But I watch him in the FIBA U18s, and yes. it looked like I, it looked like a chore for him to play defense. And, I'm, and he could dominate anybody, given his physical skill sets. In that tournament, he could have dominated anybody. The U.S. was the best team far and away. All he had to do was try. And, like, and he was getting blown by. Like, he was in the rearview mirror. He tried playing hero ball on defense a little bit too much trying to go for those chase down blocks where it's like, uh, uh-uh. like, you know, it's kind of, you do that in high school and maybe it's just a habit, but I don't know if that's a real thing. He does that. That is his play style or if it's a bad habit that's been formed. And that's going to be a key differentiator for me. I do think it was a little more in FIBA than it was with his high school team. So, you know, he's from North Little Rock along with Nick Smith, who we'll talk about next segment. And I didn't notice it as much, but in FIBA, it was bad, Richard. It was bad. I don't know if he was out of shape, but he was only playing 20 minutes, but like he would play four or five minutes. And then all of a sudden you're right on ball. It was like, I'm just going to let this go by this guy go by. And then I'm going to try to block it from behind. So I noticed the exact same thing. And it really stood out in the FIBA games. Yeah, he is. And, and for that reason, I have him in the teens. Um, yep, I would agree. I, I didn't see a ton of him at North Little Rock, but uh, I definitely would take your word for it. So because <laughs> you've watched a ton, like I said, I mean, he's done breakdowns. Um, I, I still need to post some of them on my site, but I mean, he's done 15 breakdowns already, including some bucket getters and uh, pure scores who we will talk about in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events, and it's the number one source, online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews of every news and league, uh, excuse me, reviews and news of every league including MLB, NFL, preseason just started, NBA is a month away, like I said at the start, NHL is about the same, combat sports, esports, and golf is year-round. But online continues to be the, the top online source for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your phone to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So I am joined again. My name is Richard Stamen. Uh, we're all rotating in this offseason of the Locked On NBA Big Board between me, Sam, and Leaf. I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Bryce Simon from Motor City Hoops. Uh, we're going to be – we're doing this ranking. We just ranked the the three big men, the seven-footers, and kind of going in on them. The next one we're going to do is the quote-unquote bucket getters. So this one's a really, really good group. Yes. Tariq Whitehead, who's going to Duke. Nick Smith, who's going to Arkansas. We just talked about him and his teammate, uh, Kowal Ware. And then Keontae George, who's going to Baylor. I don't know if we're going to have the same ranking on this. That's I don't why. think 
Let's I don't think we one. are. I think, I think we'll have the same number one. Okay. Dariq Whitehead is mine. Is that yours? Is that, that is also mine. Cool. You you like Dariq Whitehead a ton. For me, I see three levels for good athleticism. I'm sold. What is it in a deeper level that you like from what you've broken down in high school and any international tape or anything like that too? Yeah, I'm a huge Dariq Whitehead fan. I think as a Pistons fan, that's what the Pistons need. Like if they could get, I mean, obviously if you can get Victor or Scoot, but Dariq Whitehead would fit right into this Pistons roster. I think he puts a ton of pressure on the rim, Richard, which I love. He has to get better. Decision-making has to get better. Finishing has to get better. But he is a tough shot maker. Like I just fall in love with these guys when I'm watching film and they make shots that literally just make me go, wow, like that was incredible. And he just did it over. Like he would take a shot. I'm like, what is he doing? And then he would make it. He's going to have to be a little, show a little more discretion with some of that, especially with all the talent at Duke, but a guy that can go get his own shot. He can be smooth off the bounce. Uh, you know, he's got to get better in the catch and shoot, but I just loved his ability to get buckets and make shots. And that's what we're talking about right now. And, and so I would have him, but this is a close group of three. It's really, really tight. Yeah. I, I like all of these guys too. I think Dariq Whitehead, I mean, you just look at somebody like him who I am, um, double checking his height but i'm pretty sure he's like six six could i don't know if he's necessarily a primary guard um i don't know what his position necessarily is i could see at any time one through three but when you're yep. a three-level score and you can put pressure on the rim everything else is going to come effortlessly as long as you're not like a black hole so i really like him easily number one he's a top five prospect for me my number two i think we're going to differ here i've got keontae george i love his jump shot I think he's got creation ability. The only thing that I could see holding him back is I wish he wasn't 6'4". Because like, he's the size of a combo guard, but isn't a combo guard entire. Like He kind of is, but I think he's best as an off-ball guard. So I, I have Keontae number three. And again, this is very tight. And I do want to say, Rafael Barlow and I have had this conversation. And I didn't see him at, was it Global Jam that was here? I, I haven't seen that film. And apparently he was unreal. So I only have the film I can get access on with IMG. And I didn't see as much of the three-level score with him. That stuff didn't flash quite as much. I will say this. I immediately fell in love with the jumper. Like the first time he shoots, you it, it, it's, just, it's a beautiful shot that you're immediately going to buy into. So I do like Keontae. And I'm going to have, it's going to be fun talking about Nick Smith. Cause I listened to you talk about Nick Smith the other day and I love Nick Smith's game. And we'll talk about what the concerns are. So this isn't me down on Keontae. I think he's a bucket. I'm also a KU fan because I grew up in Kansas. So I have a hard time rooting for Baylor. So I got to get rid of some of these biases as I'm, you know, you know, getting into the NBA draft scouting world, but he's an absolute bucket. And I know we're not talking about defense. He will guard you. Keontae George will guard you on the defensive end of the floor. And so I really did love that about him as well. Yeah, he is. He's engaged on defense a lot. And again, yeah, he has some shortcomings, but you look at, he has an elite skill, I think, in shooting. Uh, I got to see him a year ago, almost to the date, actually, where he was just in some private runs. I was going out there to meet uh, a, a player, just to meet up or whatever. And then also Keontae George was there. And I was like, okay. And Raphael was there, too. Uh, that's where I met Raphael for the first time in person. And we were blown away. Like, we shot, we saw everything about the shot was just perfect. The There's no dip. The, the base is perfect. Like, he bends his legs the perfect amount. He doesn't go too too low doesn't you know sacrifice his knees for a quicker shot the release from the ball on his guide hand to just his actual shooting motion is just ridiculous it is picture perfect for somebody his age having that advanced of a jump shot is just something special to me and on film it's weird it doesn't look as smooth it doesn't look like 
doesn't strike me in the same way it did in person, but I watched it in person. You see everything about it and it blew me away. So let's talk about Nick Smith though. For me, I have him third. You have him second. Uh, for me, it's just, I don't know. I know he's been labeled as a really good athlete. I actually don't know if he's a really good athlete. And to me, that kind of scares me, especially in the half court. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think, you know, there's, there's levels to this, right? Like we'll talk about Amin Thompson a little bit later. Like there's levels to athleticism. I just love this kid's game, man. Like it's so smooth. He plays with a change of pace. He like, you know, doing these elongated euros, he can finish with his right, with his left. He's a three level score and he creates like, I just, I watched his North Little Rock film and I was just blown away. I enjoyed watching him so much. I can understand. I had it in my notes as I was, you know, preparing for this last night. The athleticism defensively is an issue. And I do think offensively, you know, finishing at the rim and those type of things. So I understand it. I get it. I'm just in love with the skill level. The floater looks good. I just think he's going to be a three-level bucket getter who can also create whenever he needs to. And and that's fair. I think, again, just the half court at the rim, I think he becomes less of a three-level scorer. Sure. That's really okay. where I see, like, just one issue. I, I'm also curious, and we'll get to this in just a moment, like, when we talk about the primaries, but I'm really curious about how Arkansas does with their whole, like they got a ton of mouths to feed. I mean, they got a lot of top talent. There's definitely a lot of pros of that, but they have a lot of top talent. I mean, they have five top 100 recruits, really six, because one of them is consensus number 101. They also got Ricky council from Wichita state. Like they, they have a very stacked team and there's a lot of mouths to feed. And in the NBA, that's not always a ton of issue because like, yes, and this is generally universal for basketball talent wins, but like in college, it's a lot harder to spare the, to just spread those minutes across 40 minutes of game, especially compared to 48, those eight minutes make a difference. And just the play style and the tempo and all of that, it really does make a big difference. So I am curious if Nick Smith actually like his talent level and his production match. And I, I, don't think anybody on the Arkansas team will, but we'll get to that more in just a moment. Or actually, do you have something to say? On- I just, just real quick, I, yeah. I did have it in my notes. I said, I wonder what his ability is playing off the ball because yeah. it wasn't something he did a lot. And we're going to talk about Anthony Black here in the third segment. And so if Anthony Black has the ball, what's Nick Smith doing off the ball? And like you said, I wonder if his role will be different next year at Arkansas than maybe even what it ends up being in the NBA. So that is something to keep in mind with Nick Smith. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, We'll talk about Anthony Black in just a moment, but a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Big Board. Again, my name is Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft. I'm joined by Bryce Simon at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. Uh, we've been a, a nice little duo running on uh, on Twitter, it feels like, for a minute. We actually, it's funny, I, we crossed paths because I was just searching something completely random on Twitter, and then I saw his account, and I was like, oh, this is cool, somebody else is talking about it. And then, like, we like we just clicked ever since. It was really cool. So for this last part, we're going to do, this might be the most exciting part. I really thought the seven-footers would be, but I think this one is it. Uh, the three best primary ball handlers of these three at the least. I don't know if these are necessarily going to be my three best. In so the I was going to ask, are these the three? Uh, who who am I, who am I missing? Cause I've only really, I'm only really feel comfortable talking about guys I've been able to scout. And so is there somebody I'm missing right now? I was thinking about that as we were recording. Well, it for me, I love Tyrese Proctor. Um, okay. I, that's a huge risk though, because he may not be one and done. He may be bad this year for all I know. Um, I just have other guys in front of him is really what it comes down to. I like Case and Wallace, but I don't know if he's necessarily like a true primary. Uh, Nikola Juricic, uh, Juricic, I am terrible at names. I'm so sorry. Like 
I'm doing my best. I have to watch a lot for to get these right. It took me forever to get Sandro Mamakelashvili's name down. I that will get nice. there, but my my one who I would substitute, uh, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll out it later. My third player for is Turquavion Smith. Sure. I'm all in on Turk. So, um, but of these three, let's rank them: Scoot Henderson, Amen Thompson, because he's generally seen as the the higher end. Um, twin of him and SR also probably a little bit better with ball handler and then Anthony black. So who is your number one? I actually don't even know who this one is. seems very un- or actually number two will be unpredictable. I just realized what I said. Scoot yeah. Henderson's both of our number ones. Let's not, 100%. let's not dance around this. No, what Scoot Henderson did in the G league was really impressive as a like 17, 18 year old. Like he is a year ahead of the curve of joining the G league. He already has the pro experience. He was a revolutionary player in doing so, not even graduating high school yet. He can facilitate. He's really athletic. And I think the shooting will be there. The free throw percentage was north of 77, 79%. It might've even actually been north of 80. And that's a really strong indicator, even though his jump shot wasn't ready. So the form is good. I think he can probably even play some defense too. Like he's just a well-rounded player. And if there's anybody who's going to challenge Victor Wembanyama for number one, it's him. So talk, talk to me about Scoot. Talk to everybody about what else there is to like outside of just like, hey, he's athletic and he's young and he can score. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to come on here my first time. Hopefully I'll be back at some point and like drop the, I think Scoot Henderson can, you know, compete with Victor Wimbanyana for number one. And people think I'm like a hot take guy. Like, you know this, Richard, that's that's not my thing. That's not my mentality. I love Scoot Henderson. I really think there is. It's probably going to take some injury concerns like we talked about earlier with Victor, but Scoot is big time. I've said this from the first time I watched him. An NBA team is going to hand the keys to their offense to Scoot Henderson, and they're going to be very, very happy that they did. I love his mid-range pull-up. He operates in the pick and roll. He passes. I didn't even think he got to show everything this last year because Jaden Hardy was trying to like showcase his abilities. So I think we're going to see even more from Scoot this upcoming season. And I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't notice the athleticism. That wasn't the first thing that stood out to me. It was his change of pace, him lulling guys to sleep, him setting guys up to before he used the ball screen. I love the subtleties. And he was 17 playing in the G League against these professional guys. Like I just, and the defense was was fine. And we've talked about this, not like there's a lot of defense being played in the G League. So the fact he played any at all is impressive. I, he, he's really good. He's really, really good. Yeah, and he turned 18 in February. I think yeah. after that point, I'm getting the official count now. I don't think it was more than 10 games were played after February. I mean, yeah, he played one, two, three, four, six games. Six games after being 18. Yeah. Like, that, that's ridiculous. He spent a majority of the season being 17 years old in the G League. Um, that is absurd. He's going to get a lot of professional development both on and off the floor for it, and that's really valuable. For number two, I think this is where – things might get spicy i'm interested to see where you go i honestly have no idea just because of who it is i actually don't have either of these players my number two but i would go with amen thompson uh and personally also when it comes to the twins i go back and forth on these guys mostly I, a lot of it has come off of based on what you've said because i know you've done deeper dives into the twins more than most people have that are um doing what we do um uh, so i i really like both of the twins, but I'm not like enamored with them yet because neither of them have a jump shot that seems reliable. So what do you think of the twins? And is he, is amen your number two? He is my number two 
And I, I do want to say I haven't dove into Traquavion. I was only doing guys that were coming out of high school. So that's why whenever I talked to Richard about this, I didn't throw you know his name into the hat. High level athlete. I believe it was whenever they you know did their thing with Sam Vecini. Uh, Almond even said that he was more of the PG and Asar was more off the ball. So yep. and, and in the game in the uh, the TBT game. Amin wasn't great in the first half, but in the second half, when he got the ball in his hands more in transition, he started to showcase those things that that, that, that excite you about his potential. The shooting is bad. It, it's a major concern with both of them. And I heard you say this the other day. Their games are very similar. So I know sometimes it's easy to just say, oh, they play the same. These two really do. You got to find little subtleties. Asar's a better shooter. Amin has this weird – with his shot – it goes way off to the right whenever he yep. shoots. And that's very concerning to me whenever it's that. That, that takes a lot of muscle memory to bring back in and, and, and rein in and fix. So I, I do think he can be good. The athleticism, they get after it defensively, but the shot has to come around or it's not going to matter. Yeah, I, I think you look at it, they have an elite tool, which is their athleticism. Um, and – for me, I don't know if there's more than three players that are better athletes than either of them in the league. I mean, Jalen Green, maybe. Like, that that level of athleticism is generational. And, I mean, Zion, I guess. Zion's like an, a cheat code of, of athleticism. But um, it really is nuts. So, yeah, the Twins are something. I think this is one of the more polar – I mean, we're going on a polarizing player streak here of this entire segment. But Anthony Black, um, I have him third. I personally – I don't know if he's one and done. I think he will be because he wants to be. Um, I, I think he has the intention of just going for one year and then getting out of there, no matter what the actual stock looks like. Kind of like Peyton Watson uh, in that way, where he's like, he's just kind of there to do it because he has to. I'm not he sold on him. I like the fact that he's a big guard. Um, you know, he's six, seven or so, yep. 185. Um, really athletic. I like that. Like the tools, I think he can be a guy who averages double-digit points, seven assists, and nine rebounds, something like that. Like a guy who he's going to flirt with triple-doubles a lot. My problem with him is I don't know if I fully buy his jump shot being a, a weapon just yet. And on top of that, I think he's really raw. Like his decision-making on the fly can come and go. And he just he struggles with turnovers far too much. I saw him in November in the Thanksgiving, like hoop fest or something, uh, up in Frisco, there were two events. It was one of them. They were playing Duncan, or excuse me, he was on Duncan, but he was playing Kimball, which had like Arteria Morris and a couple other guys. And he would just, he, he missed easy passes. He would just turn the ball over. I think he had like seven or eight. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think he's a lot further away than people realize. Yeah, and I do want to go – Amin Thompson is also 6'6", so he is a bigger player. And I do want to make a point that the Twins are already 19. They've already turned 19. They'll turn 20 in January. So, you know, as we talk about age with these guys and stuff, I did want to make that point. Anthony Black, 6'7". I question how he's going to score at all, Richard. And we're talking about – I wondered about even putting him in this category because I think he's best with the ball in his hands. I love he, – he's never sped up. He is a good passer. But is he going to have the ball in his hands? Because you got to be able to score and he can't shoot. So not to get into the weeds too much, you know, but I, I on the breakdown on YouTube, I show his free throw that he puts the ball literally right in front of his face. Like, I don't even know how he shoots it because he can't see the rim. And so if you're not watching on YouTube, you can't really see what I'm trying to show. But so the shooting has a long ways to go. 
I thought he was best like as an off-ball cutter and mover. Those things were nice, but then he doesn't have the ball in his hand. So I wonder if he ends up being a primary creator. We talked about this earlier with Nick Smith or if Nick Smith ends up having the ball in his hands more. So I don't know what to think about him. I question whether he's a one-and-done guy as well or if maybe he kind of does go the Peyton wants it route where the stats aren't great, but all the other stuff, the high school stuff is good enough. He still is a late first-round guy. Yeah, from all the intel I've received, I mean, I, I think he's one and done. Not about it's not a thing about like his actual abilities and all that, which I, I think are good, but I think that's more of just like that's the path he's trying to go down. It's just hey, get get to the pros and money as quick as possible. Um, that's just my understanding. So, but one thing I, I think is going to be the tell is can him and Nick Smith coexist? Can each of them play off ball of each other? And can they create and have chemistry as a two guard lineup? Because both of them are going to have to learn that role in the NBA. Nick Smith as an off ball guard, going from a primary on ball to being the off ball guard and then vice versa in a way for Anthony black. Like I've seen him also another place that's almost in a scrimmage where he was with guys like Mike miles. Uh, we did a whole episode about this in May with Raphael, Raphael and I were there. Um, and he just, he looked really passive. Yes. He was playing against pros. He's also going against like Moses Brown, Drew Timmy guys like them. So like, of course you're, you're still in high school. This is in May. He hadn't even graduated yet, but like, I would have liked to see him be a bit more aggressive because he wasn't physically that different from any of these guys. So, uh, that combination of stuff is what really I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I literally have that in my notes right here. I said, how does he score the ball, especially in the half court? And then under it, I said, would love to see him be more aggressive. So like seventh on Instat, which we use seventh most used play type was pick and roll because he just didn't get aggressive whenever he got a ball screen. He didn't look to go score. I will say I really liked his defense. And you mentioned earlier at six, seven, he's a guy that can guard one through three, maybe more eventually, you know, block shots in the FIBA team, got steals with his high school team and FIBA team. So he can be disruptive defensively and guard on the ball. So I do think, you know, just kind of that all around game is there for Anthony Black. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to watch. Personally, I would have put on this list, like my top three probably would have been Jershitz and uh, Turquavion Smith also in there. Um, but I mean, dude, this this draft is like, it is loaded. <laughs> the fact that I, I, I feel bad for the 2022 draft because guys like, I mean, it's just 2021 was generational. 2023 is going to be generational. Also another guy who I would have put in the primaries, um, I guess weird wording there, but like in the primary ball handlers is, uh, is Mike miles. I mean, I remain super high on him. His birthday is next week. He's still 19 years old. Um, he is not, he's only a few months older than the twins, which like seems weird, Yeah, but he's going to explode this year at TCU on a really good team. They're a preseason top 10 team. They'll probably be top 25 the entire season. They'll be a top four seed. Mike miles is going to be the anchor. Yes. He's six one didn't really stop Jalen Brunson from being a good player. I think he he has a really good case to be on this list as well. Is there anybody that you were thinking of that might have a a nod on here over any of the three? On any no, of them, it doesn't have to be just the guards. No, not for the primary creators. Like I said, like I, I questioned whether to put Anthony Black in it anyway because I'm not really sure how much he's going to do that. I'm going through my list. of I like Cam Whitmore. I, I didn't put him in the bucket getters because I don't know that, that his game is exactly getting a bucket. Um, I think playing in that Villanova system is going to be really good for him. Uh, Grady Dick is a guy who, who's a big time shooter that I, I really liked watching him as well. 
And then Roddy Gale, that's a guy like he doesn't belong in the top three, but he's a guy you and I have discussed. And I really enjoyed breaking down that film. I liked the shot. I liked his game. Got to clean up the turnovers, but he's a really good passer. I know that sounds like it contradicts itself, but it wasn't his passing where he was turning the ball over. It was more with the ball in his hands, you know, just a tightened handle, but he's going to Ohio state. I wonder if, I don't know where he's at on consensus recruiting rankings, but maybe a guy like Malachi Branham where he, you know, maybe not quite as high, but he he's going to be higher come draft time. Yeah. I, I don't know how I forgot about Roddy Gale. He's another one up there too. I mean, I, I turned you onto him and like, dude, I, I really like him. There's just so much talent in this draft class like there's so many different unique styles it's going to be really fun but uh bryce tell everybody where they can find you what to look forward to plug anything floor is yours yeah so on twitter at motor city hoops i do a lot of draft stuff basketball nba stuff in general obviously come season i'll be tweeting a lot about the pistons so you may want to mute me on game nights uh, but then the pistons pulse podcast every tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts i ride at detroit bad boys and then check out the youtube channel that's where you can really find my draft stuffs uh, Motor City Hoops, Bryce Simon YouTube channel. Richard, I had a blast. Thank you so much. I hope we can do this again. I've had Richard on the podcast like three or four times. He's an incredible guest. Everybody loves him when he comes on to talk NBA draft around the Pistons. So I'm glad I was able to come on and, and talk hoops with him where he was hosting. Hey, I appreciate it. And I don't have guests on here often. So this is now you're my second one this week. I'm starting to just expand my horizons and finally do it because I'm bad at it. I'll, I'll just out myself. I'm not the best at the editings and all that. Like it makes it hard for me. And I'm like, Oh God. But like, I love talking with you. Like you, dude, we text all the time about this stuff, really fun stuff, but thank you so much for coming on here, Bryce. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to have no you doubt. back. You will, you will definitely be a future guest again. A hundred percent. No doubt.